Tech Fighter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 464 for October 11th, 2015. This week, Experian, the company that T-Mobile uses to confirm customers' creditworthiness has been hacked. This exposed data for about 15 million customers who signed up between September 2013 and last month. Adobe's updated Photoshop Elements and Premiere Elements bring welcome features to the consumer-level applications. In short circuit, Skype offers a gift that most people won't be able to use. In Los Angeles, Adobe Max wowed the 7,000 who attended. And Microsoft announces the new Surface Pro 4. In spare parts, only on the website, a small party that's participating in Swiss elections calls itself the Anti-PowerPoint Party. It's October, so stores want you to start thinking about spending money for Christmas presents. And a beer fridge, available only in California right now, connects to your Wi-Fi system so you'll know when you're running low. Fifteen million T-Mobile customers' data is at risk. It's not T-Mobile's fault, and CEO John Laguerre says the carrier will begin a thorough evaluation of its business relationship with the company that suffered the data breach. That company, by the way, is Experian, one of the three companies that monitors and reports your creditworthiness to banks and companies. Perhaps there's a bit of irony in there. Experian, which at least for now processes credit applications for T-Mobile, says that it detected the security breach on September 15th. The breach could affect millions of T-Mobile customers. Experian says that the data breach exposed a server that contains personal information for consumers who applied for a T-Mobile USA postpaid services account between September 1st, 2013 and the date the breach was discovered. The server stored data used for T-Mobile's credit assessment, including names, addresses, social security numbers, birth dates, driver's license numbers, and passport numbers. Although no credit or debit card information was stored on that server, it did contain enough information to put a lot of people at additional risk for identity theft. Experian says that social security numbers and other ID information was encrypted, but the encryption appears to have been compromised too. T-Mobile CEO John Laguerre, writing on the company's website, said, I am incredibly angry about this data breach, and we will institute a thorough review of our relationship with Experian. Laguerre, though, says his top concern is assisting consumers whose information may have been compromised. I take our customer and prospective customer privacy very seriously, Laguerre wrote. To its credit, Experian at least notified federal and international law enforcement agencies promptly and is cooperating with the investigation. It is also reportedly notifying individuals who may have been affected, although I have as yet received no such notification, and it is offering free credit monitoring and identity resolution services for two years through Protect My ID. Protect My ID will issue a credit report from Experian at enrollment time, and then provide credit monitoring from all three nationwide credit reporting agencies. It also provides internet scans and access to fraud resolution resources. 
If you believe that you have been affected, but you haven't yet heard from Experian, you'll find more information on the Protect My ID website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. And additional information about the breach is on the T-Mobile website. You'll also find a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website to T-Mobile's site. If you are a T-Mobile customer and you receive a phone call or an email about the issue from someone who claims to be from either T-Mobile or Experian, it is doubtless a fraudster. Neither company will call or email to ask for any information from you. You will be asked for information if you visit the T-Mobile Experian or Protect My ID website, but that's to be expected. And if you think that you may be in the group of people who began using T-Mobile services between September 2013 and this year, signing up for that Protect My ID service is probably a pretty good idea. Adobe has just released version 14 of its Elements applications, Photoshop Elements for still images and Premiere Elements for videos. At a time when Creative Cloud for Photography costs just $10 a month, you might wonder if the Elements applications are still viable. That seems like such a simple question, but the answer is really pretty complex. Photoshop Elements sells for $100 with upgrades from previous versions at $80. Upgrades for Photoshop and Premiere Elements, the two applications together, cost $120. New licenses sell for $150. Premiere Elements alone sells for the same price as Photoshop Elements. If you are a photographer, it seems to me that Creative Cloud for Photography is a better choice. Although it does cost a bit more, you get Lightroom and the full version of Photoshop. Those who also like to work with video would have to sign up for a $50 per month Creative Cloud membership to get Premiere and all of its associated applications. Photoshop is more complex than Photoshop Elements, of course, but Premiere is a lot more complex than Premiere Elements. That complexity needs to figure into the calculation, too. Both Photoshop Elements and Premiere Elements have some useful new features. Let's start outside both of the applications, though, in the organizer. It's included with either individual application and with the package. The new version has intelligent sorting modes for people, places, and events. All of them have been improved. For example, facial recognition in the People tab is better than it was, doubtless a result of improvements in that feature in the latest version of Lightroom. The Places tab now puts image thumbnails on a map. The more you zoom in on the map, the more images appear. Of course, that depends on having a geolocation function on the camera or on your specifying exactly where the image was taken. In some cases, the Elements package might be the better choice, sometimes by a lot. Although the combined Lightroom and Photoshop offering in Creative Cloud for Photography is powerful, the powerful features can be confusing. Those who are new to digital photography might be better served by Photoshop Elements because of the program's ability to help users grow. You'd start with the Quick Edit panel for a hands-off approach that intelligently analyzes images and improves them. When you're ready to take more control, the Guided Edits panel is where you'd go and let Photoshop Elements show you step-by-step -step what changes to make. Some of the most significant improvements are in this section, where edits are organized into six categories. Basics, color, black and white, fun edits, special edits, and photo merge. Each of these categories holds from four to nine specialized edits. Select any one of them and follow the on-screen instructions. And the Expert panel is your final stop 
in Photoshop Elements. Here, you'll have access to any masks and filters, the, the quick or guided modifications added, and you'll have a set of tools similar to those in the full version of Photoshop. Each of the tools is simplified, but each provides an introduction to what you'll find later in the full version of Photoshop. So once you've worked through the various Photoshop Elements panels and you've become comfortable in expert edits, it's probably time to start thinking about Creative Cloud for photography. Although there have been some additions in quick mode, most of the improvements seem to be in the guided mode. The modifications here cover changes that most photographers want to make, from brightness and contrast in basics, to selective color and line drawing in black and white, to merging multiple images in the photo merge section. The Enhance menu contains the most new features. Auto Smart Fix examines your photo and attempts to improve it. I started with a 15-year-old low-resolution image. You'll see it on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The image I used to illustrate this on the website will never be a good picture because it's so old and so low in resolution, but I was pleased with the results. Other items on that menu include Auto Shake Reduction and Auto Haze Removal. A lot of people are going to be delighted by those. Digital cameras and smartphones are able to work with remarkably little light, but slow shutter speeds can still result in shaky images. The auto shake reduction feature does more than just sharpen the image. Sharpening is included, of course, but the program also analyzes the motion and attempts to reduce it. Keyword here is reduce, not remove. It doesn't remove the shake, and excess sharpening can make the image look a little bit crunchy. You'll see some examples on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Auto Haze Removal does for haze what shake reduction does for camera motion. How many times have you been disappointed by an image of a scene that you thought would be dramatic, only to find that it's fuzzy and low in contrast because of atmospheric haze? Our eyes discount that haze, but cameras are very sensitive to it. The Haze Removal feature examines the image, determines which areas are actually affected by the haze, and then eliminates the problem from the hazy area without needlessly sharpening areas without the haze. There's an example of that on the TechBiter Worldwide website, too. So, let's flip over to Premiere Elements. The big news for this version is support for 4K video. If you have a camera that can shoot 4K video and a monitor that can display videos like that, you'll want this version of the program. Audio tools have been improved, too. This isn't Audition but the audio view in the timeline is considerably better than in the past. That said, if you want to create professional videos with complex audio, you're going to want Premiere Audition and all of the other tools that come with Creative Cloud. Guided edits now include time manipulation, so you can make action go faster for a comedic effect, or slow down peak actions for dramatic effects. Black and White with Color Pop guides you through editing a video so that most of the information is monochrome but a specific color remains. Another big improvement is in video titles. It's a lot easier to add motion titles in which text moves in or out of the frame, fades in or fades out. You can also freeze a specific video frame and use it as the background for your titles. This is a new feature, and it will be improved in coming versions of the program. Encoding video for export has always been a sticking point for a lot of people. It's a complex topic. New export and share workflows make the process much easier if you share video on common sites such as YouTube, Facebook, and Vimeo. So the bottom line for Photoshop Elements and Premiere Elements, five cats, they continue to shine. 
The number of improvements this year is smaller than in some previous years, but they are changes that will have a significant effect on your photos and videos. Experienced photographers should consider Creative Cloud instead of Photoshop elements. But videographers who don't have the experience needed to make the most of professional video tools will find Premiere Elements to be an excellent choice. Additional details are on the Adobe website. There is a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. It short circuits. On September 21st, Skype had an unspecified technical problem. That problem kept users from being able to make calls or, in some cases, even to log on for more than 12 hours. This week, Skype sent an apology to users and offered 20 minutes of free calls to over 60 landline and 8 mobile destinations around the world. There was an asterisk at the end of the sentence. The asterisk leads you to an area that says you need to have a Skype account to use those extra minutes. Well. Yeah. It also refers the user to a website location where you can find out which locations qualify. Take a look at the offer on the TechBiter Worldwide website. See what they did there? The call time will be added over the next few days, they say, so you have to keep checking to see when it's there. Also, the extra time is available for only seven days. So you can't use the time until it's added to your account and then for only seven days after that period. And then, only if there's somebody you want to call in one of those 60 landline and 8 mobile destinations around the world. That's pretty clever. I know that Adobe got a lot of attention for the new Elements applications in the main part of the program, but the company is back here in the short circuit section. If I hadn't already planned to discuss what's new with Photoshop Elements and Premiere Elements, Adobe Max would have probably been the headliner. This annual event is always one of the highlights of my year because applications are immediately updated, we're given some insight into what's coming in the next version of Creative Cloud, and there are some sneak peeks that show what the developers are working on. 7,000 users of Adobe products met in Los Angeles for three to five days of events. Sessions are held on Saturday and Sunday prior to Adobe Max, which begins on Monday and then continues for three days. The keynotes on Monday and Tuesday are streamed live. If you use Adobe products and you weren't able to be at Max, I encourage you to take a look at the keynotes for Monday and Tuesday. Monday's talks are all about Adobe, updates to existing applications and plans for the future. Tuesday features creatives who use Adobe applications. Both are interesting, and each for its own reason. You'll find a link to the Adobe Max keynotes from the TechBiter Worldwide website. And on Tuesday of this past week, Adobe updated several Creative Cloud applications, including Lightroom, which received a new interface for importing files from cameras. I wasn't expecting that. At the instant I saw what Adobe had done, I realized the changes were significant improvements. 
Adobe's Sarah Hunt presented a brand new all-in-one cross-platform user experience design tool called Project Comet. It's intended for use in designing and prototyping websites and mobile apps faster than ever. This new tool from Adobe isn't available now, and in fact it'll be available only as a public preview in 2016. If you want to find out more about it, there's a link to the Comet section on the Adobe website. You'll find that link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. A new study from Adobe shows a quarter of us value entertainment over accuracy. That's kind of disturbing. The survey shows that nearly half of millennials do not fact-check the content they're sharing. That's even more distressing. Are we harvesting our 15 minutes of fame while sacrificing the pillars of an informed society? That's just one of the questions that the research raises about the nature of content in today's hyper-connected multi-screen world. I plan to follow up on that research in a later program. You know, between Adobe and Microsoft, it has been one interesting week. This week's program has a lot of Adobe news, but this week Microsoft announced that Windows 10 has been installed on 110 million computers and also revealed the new Surface Pro 4 computers. Despite the continuing strains from the panic choir, Windows 10 continues to make advances, and I continue to be impressed by the functionality of the new operating system. In addition, the new versions of the Office Suite programs are available individually and as part of Office 365. As impressive as all that is, Microsoft's really big news this week has been the Surface Pro 4. I wish I could think of a reason to acquire one of these little computers, but so far I haven't been able to do that. These featherweight computers pack the power of a desktop, but I already have a desktop computer. They're great notebook computers but I already have a notebook computer that's only a year or so old. And as a tablet computer, they are unmatched. But I have an aging Acer Iconia tablet. If my existing notebook computer was older and in need of replacement, I'd buy one of these today, and I'd wait in line for it to show up at a store. Starting at $900, the Surface Pro 4 is powered by a 6th generation Skylake Intel Core M3, or an i5 or i7, with 4, 8, or 16 gigabytes of RAM, and Windows 10 Pro. The Surface Pro 4 screen is larger than that of the Surface Pro 3. The 12.3-inch screen has a resolution of 2736 by 1824 with 267 pixels per inch. Pixel touch display is included with 10-point multi-touch. If you'd like more information, you'll find it on Microsoft's website. You'll find a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. Before you buy, though, Note that you can add a lot to the purchase price by adding some of the add-ons, and there are a lot of add-ons. Maybe in a couple of years when I need a new portable computer and the Surface 5 or Surface 6 is available. Eh, so I'll wait. You don't have to wait for spare parts, though, only on the website. This week, a small party that's participating in Swiss elections calls itself the Anti-PowerPoint Party. It's October, so stores want you to start thinking about spending money for Christmas presents. 
and a beer fridge, available only in California right now, connects to your Wi-Fi system so you'll know when you're running low. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.